Hello, and welcome to another episode. I'm pleased to be joined today by who I jokingly call my evil twin, a fellow uh, agnostic, I think atheist, content creator on TikTok. And what we're going to do today is discuss deconstructing faith. We're basically going to talk about how we got to the point that we are today from former believers to now non-believers. Let's get started. I figured the first thing would just be uh, introduce yourself in whatever in whatever way and however much detail you want. Gotcha. Um, I like to keep it as little as possible online just because you never know. So I am just a friendly agnostic on TikTok. I used to be the friendly atheist, but that name was taken. So I switched it to the friendly agnostic. Um, and yeah, that's where I started off is on TikTok. I kind of have a YouTube channel. Haven't really done much there. Uh, but that's what my online presence is now. And uh, yeah, I've been agnostic atheist for about two and a half-ish years now. About. And how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 30. Oh, God. Oh, okay. I'm a couple years so, older than you. Yeah, it's so weird saying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of. It's. I don't know what it means to be 32. I don't know what it's supposed to feel like. But I feel like I don't feel like that. Yeah, it just keeps creeping up on me for whatever reason. Exactly, I still feel very young, but I have to say thirty, and I'm like, oh god. <laughs> I jokingly said I'm going to stay thirty for the next like five birthdays, but then I didn't do it. <laughs> so this episode is on deconstructing faith. So tell me about your path as a believer before you started deconstructing your faith. Okay, yeah. So I started from the ripe old age of birth. Um, I was born into the Christian religion. My parents and whole family was Christian, uh, non-denominational. There wasn't really like any denominations going up. Just my parents' generation was like Catholic from my grandparents, and then they moved all to Christianity. Um, and so when I was born, we all were born Christian. I went to like private Christian schools growing up. Um, and then from there, just again, really heavy in the church. My dad was a drummer and he loved drumming for bands, but also for churches. So I would always be on Sunday going to some church. He, he did a couple different churches. So I got all different flavors of uh, like baptism and Pentecostal and all the different um, churches out there. So I grew up kind of like jumping around churches. Um, and from there, I was always like kind of helping out in the back of the room, uh, meaning like I would help with like camera work or the soundboard or something just because me and my brother were bored. And so we were like, let's find something to do. And they'd be like, all right, come on over here. We'll show you how to work the sound and lights and this and that. Um, so growing up, I got a lot of experience with like the worship team and all that stuff. Um, and as I grew up, I wouldn't say it was like, I was into it, but into it in the sense that you're a child and you want your parents like look at you like, oh, look how good of a Christian you are. So you're always trying to be the best little Christian you can be growing up. But it's not like you believe it, believe it. It's like this weird fake belief in your head, but you do believe it. It's just like it's not like you concrete believe it until you get to the age of accountability, as everyone says. And then you go, okay, now I'm starting to understand. And yeah, I totally believe this. This is something that I came up with in my own head and no one indoctrinated me to believe for sure until you grow up and realize, yes, I was still indoctrinated at that point. Um, but yeah, I believed it until 
about 20 years old, 21 years old, I went to the Navy. So I was like super into it. Um, I moved to Utah where my sister was living for, at that time. And um, we were at a church and I became like a worship leader and a youth pastor. And uh, I wouldn't say pastor, youth leader, but I was very into church at that point, like right out of high school, I was like 18 so I, I was really into that for a couple of years and I was trying to figure out my life. I was like, I'm out of high school. What do I do? Went to Utah, lived there for a bit. And then I joined the Navy. And when I joined the Navy, I was out on my own for the first time in my life, like no family, no one. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go deep into my faith. I'm going to, you know, really get into this. And uh, I was even gifted this Bible right here that I covered my name, but my name's engraved in it. You know, it's a, it's a Navy Bible. It has a little Navy insignia, and it has all these different chapters about being in the Navy. And uh, I was like, okay, I'm really into my faith. It's the first time ever. I'm away from home. Let me dive into the Bible. And then I got to Genesis chapter 12 and was like, I this is not true. This is not true. What? A, oh, my God. What am I, what's happening? This can't be true. And I kept reading and kept reading, and I finished the entire Bible, and I started losing my faith. And I just had a very uh, faith panic shock of what, what is this? There's no way that this story is true. And that's because before I, I knew these stories. It's not like the flood or Abraham or anything was uh, new to me. It was just that I never looked at it with a different lens. Also, I didn't know every single sure. story in the Bible. We'll get, and so, we'll get to the deconstructing faith part in, okay, okay. in, in a bit. So, so yeah, so that's basically the story of like me being Christian is like up until 20, I was like, good old Christian boy. Yeah. I did all the Christian things, you know, like I, I didn't do anything bad for the most part. And I was trying to be just the genuine Christian boy. Like, oh, that guy is so Christian. Like that was me. So Christian. Very so Christian. Christian of you. My, my, my best friend in high school was like, oh, do you want to smoke the marriage of I was like, no. God is looking at you. And like, it was very, the idea it was that, very the idea like that, that. God would care about that. Is, yeah. Right. But, well, they do. They don't call it the devil. Devil's lettuce for nothing. Well, in my head, I was like, oh, no, God, the devil's tempting me. This is my, this is it. This is where the devil's going to, and I'm going to stand up for God and I'm going to be the righteous man. Like I, then my head, I thought that was it. Like I'm defeating Satan. You know, like that's the kind of Christian I was where, I would look at those things and scenarios like it's the devil and I'm going to be this. I'm going to stand up for the word of God. And like, I was very Christian. Interesting. So it sounds like you sort of like growing up, the, the faith wasn't really drilled into you. It was just kind of like, we go to church. This is what we do. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I, I thought I heard you say something to the effect of you sort of intellectualized it after you'd already like you know been to church so you kind of did that part on your own mm -hmm. that's that sounds accurate yeah i like you said mm -hmm. i it wasn't drilled into me my parents were religious but it wasn't like they would beat yeah. me if i was like you know how dare you know love god they were like uh they were more lukewarm christians actually they weren't as like stringent they just went to church a lot. Well, my dad did. My mom didn't really too much, even though she's more religious than he was. Um, but yeah, it was it was more like, hey, we're Christian. We're a Christian family. These are our Christian ideals. And I took that and I was like, I'm going to be the best Christian. 
And then it wasn't until later, like you said, that I read it and was like, what? <laughs> What's going on? Like, I'm so confused. <laughs> yeah, I guess for me, um, I, I was raised Catholic. My mom and dad didn't live together, but they lived very near each other. So mm-hmm. I just went back and forth. It, it, there wasn't really any, like, battle between, like, I'm going to have the kids. No, I'm going to have the kids. It was It was a very good back and forth relationship. My dad, his family was Lutheran. Uh, he didn't go to church very much though. When I was really young, we went a lot. But then when I got older, uh, my mom's very, very religious. It's it's a huge deal on her side of family, and she's Catholic. And I got baptized in the Catholic Church and went to, uh, you know, I went to the CCD classes and got confirmed and everything there. But um, I wouldn't say like at home. My, my mom talked about God. Um, and Jesus, but like in loving ways, she mm. didn't use the Bible as allegories for uh, to to try to teach us lessons or anything. Oh, okay. It was gotcha. just more about like be like this is who we are, and we do good things for other people because of this. But you could you could say that uh-huh. because of like your uh, because of your political affiliation or because you're from a small town or what. You could use that for anything. So yeah, I yep. wouldn't say religion was really used in any in any big way. And I mm. sort of, I just, I never, and I didn't really intellectualize my, my faith very much. There were times where I, I remember like thinking and saying things, even like after college, like, you know, uh, isn't it amazing how everything in the universe is deterministic except human free will? And then today, <laughs> today I feel the exact opposite. Well, not mm-hmm. the exact opposite. I just apply uh, us, I apply the same standard to us i'm like well no we don't we don't have free will i just said that yeah because uh i felt like i had to say that because god <laughs> exists or something like that so yeah this is kind of funny i when i started looking into it that's where all of my deconstruction happened basically mm-hmm. that's kind of my next thing so um now we all know that you lost your faith because you hate god obviously right? that's how all of us all of us atheists who used to be believers got here. We blame God because our goldfish died. Yes. Usually. Right? Obviously. Tragedy. Obviously. For those of you who are just listening and can't see our faces, I'm obviously being sarcastic here. But that is what we get told a lot. So how did your transition to non-believer begin? And then we can like we can go through each phase one by one. So think about what events were most significant? I you mentioned Genesis twelve. I'm mm-hmm. I want to know specifically what it is in twelve that was a big deal, and maybe like the people that were most significant also. Yeah, so I would say the number one person that drove me to lose my faith was my ultra religious sister, um, who loves to debate, and so do I. And my family kind of loves to debate. So it basically happened in the sense that, like I said, I was in the Navy. I got my Bible. I started reading it, started deconstructing. And I was still Christian for a very long time after that, though. So I kind of like had my whole world shaken. And again, this is because I read the Bible and I was like, I never knew all these stories and how gruesome uh, the God I believed was because I came from a place where I didn't read the Bible too much. I did. I read it as a kid. But again, as like read this story of Abraham and Isaac and read this story of Noah and read, you know, like, okay, you read the stories or read this passage. The older I got, it was, it was more, don't read the whole story. Just read this verse. Mm, Isn't this verse amazing? Just open up your Bible and pick a verse and just sounds amazing. That was like my life growing up. That was my mom, you know, just like, just all you have to do, 
All you have to do is just flip it open and point and God will speak to you. It's like, okay, you know. But as I started reading the Bible, Genesis 12, like I said, from the very beginning, I was like, oh, whoa, whoa, put on the brakes, God. What's going on in this story? And what the story is briefly is Abraham goes to Egypt, tells his wife, Sarah, don't say you're my wife, say you're my sister. If you say you're my wife, they're going to they're going to nick me off. Right. So just say you're my sister. Then he does that twice. Yes, he does do it twice. Uh, But this is the first time. And and Pharaoh's guards take Sarah for whatever reason and pay Abraham with a bunch of stuff, including people, by the way. And then Pharaoh is with Sarah and apparently a marriage goes on based off the words he's saying because a curse happens. And this is the part that got me. It says a curse of the Lord uh, went over Pharaoh's house. And I went, what? Why is God cursing Pharaoh and his house, meaning like other people? And Pharaoh says, take your take your sister or take your wife. Why didn't you tell me this was your wife? Take her and go. Uh, and he says, basically, take your wife. If you would have told me she was your wife, I would not have married her. So take her and go and gets mad and then whatever. That story confused me because I went, so God is punishing a bunch of people, innocent people, because Pharaoh plus other people are innocent based off of Abraham's lie. And that's what's important. Abraham said, don't say this. Don't say you're my wife. Say you're my sister. So she did. And because of that, I guess they were cursed. And now I've heard a lot of Christians try to backpedal and say all sorts of things, mainly like, well, uh, Pharaoh didn't sleep with Sarah. And that's what you're getting wrong. I'm like, well, marriage usually implies that. And also, you know, the, the story implies that and it doesn't specifically say it, but that's not the issue for me. The issue is that people are being cursed that God, the all powerful God, who's all knowing is for some reason, cursing other people for what Abraham's doing. And again, the, the gymnastics of like, well, Abraham's God's chosen and blah, blah, blah. Abraham, I don't care. We're all supposed to be God's children. And again, when you look at the story and you just read the story, you go, yep, that makes sense. But when you start applying logic to it, which I did at 21, I went, well, logically, this doesn't make sense because logically we're all God's children and creation. And why is he picking a specific person? Why is he then cursing all these other people? Why is he doing? And that's what got me deconstructing the whys and the questioning is because this was the first time in my life I started asking, why would God do this? This doesn't sound like God. This doesn't sound like a merciful, graceful God. This sounds like a, a terrible God. And so through doing that, sent from that story on and also backwards, because when I got that story, I went, well, hold on. Let me reread Adam and Eve over here. What's going on? So I started reading all these stories now with a different lens. And it was the first time in my life I started reading it with this different lens of logic and reasoning. And I know that sounds like uh, I know Christians who would hear that and who I talk to on my lives, they, they say that they do that too, but I know they don't specifically because when you do, it's very hard to not see the issues and what you have to do as a Christian, what I did for years after that is apologize for it and say, well, but hold on, let me explain. Let me just make something make sense. And so after that, I deconstructed my faith. And for the next like five or six years, I remained a Christian, but I didn't believe what the Bible said. I was a non-believing in the Bible Christian. 
And so to the rest of my family, I was already atheist. <laughs> Even though I was like, I'm still Christian. I believe the whole Jesus Christ died for my you know blood all over me. I'm that's, still Christian. That's kind of how I was. I, I took the Old Testament very unseriously. But mm-hmm. I considered myself a Christian until yeah. I was about 25-ish. And then I was like, yeah, there's no reason to think that any of this ever happened either, basically. Yeah. And so that's kind of what happened is, like I said, so my sister at one point, I'm I'm like 28, 27, 28 now. Me and my sister are talking. We're having a little debate because we love to debate in our family. And even if we both believe the same thing, you know, we, we believe the same thing, but differently. So she's trying to convince me of her side. And she says something amazing. This is the first time I've heard this in my life. Changed my world forever. She said, there's more evidence for Jesus than any historical figure uh, that's ever existed. And I said, wow, sister, that is a claim. That is a wild claim. I'm a Christian, but I know that's not true. Yes, it is. Go look it up. Said, I'm going to go look it up. And in my family, uh, people like to make claims without looking things up. I was the one who actually, like, I'm the scientist who likes to go actually find out the answer. So I did that night. And what I found was, of course, she was wrong. We obviously have more evidence for people because we have literal bodies and mummies. So yes, we have more evidence uh, than Jesus Christ. And um, I looked into that was like, obviously, that was not true. But it led me on to some other things, which is who wrote the Gospels. And I found no, we don't know who wrote the Gospels. We don't have the originals. So what? Look more into it. Well, what do we have? And the more I started, it was like dominoes. The more I got one answer, it led me to another question. And every single answer wasn't the answer I wanted and not the answer that made me more Christian. It did the complete opposite because I'm under the impression we have more evidence. And what I found was we don't have any evidence. And the evidence we have is very, very, very like Jericho might have existed. Uh, Okay, that's not evidence, though. It's just a place existing and someone wrote about it. And so the more it snowballed for me, eventually at one point, I just went, yep, I I guess I don't believe this anymore. And it's not that I just was like automatically, I'm atheist. I don't think most people don't just go overnight like, I'm atheist. It's like this journey of like, what do I guess? I guess I don't believe now in that story. Do I still believe in a God? And what what is it do I believe in? I don't know. And I've always been very, very spiritual. So for me, it was like very hard to let go of of uh, God. You know, for me, that was like my lifeline and everything. So it took me a while to kind of figure out what I believe, what I don't believe. And I, I came to the conclusion, I for sure don't believe in Christianity or Abrahamic gods. Like it, th- there's no way because Abrahamic gods incorporates the story of Abraham, which is what I had a problem with. So, yeah, that's pretty much how I deconstructed completely from Christianity. And then from there, it was like this, I, this discovery of like, what else is there? I looked into other religions, but it's like, once you have one bad, you know, soda, you don't want to drink the rest of the sodas. You're like, they're all probably really bad. And then you have like three sodas and you're like, yeah, they're all really bad. You know, like, but you just start taking in something. You're like, well, this wasn't true. Why would I believe all these other things? And then I started listening to TikToks and people like you, people like Mike Brigandi and uh, Jeff, uh, who's now TikTok, please don't ban me. Um, a bunch of different people on TikTok that kind of started opening my eyes into this whole other idea of 
what it means to deconstruct, what it means to believe or not believe, uh, evidence, and just debating. I love debate. I love like opening up my mind to questions and stuff. And that was a big source of me finding this new path of who I wanted to be and what I wanted to believe. But yeah, so that's how I, I deconstructed. All right. Very, very thorough. Um, couple things just to just to comment on what you said the uh the thing about there's more evidence for jesus than than any historical figure or like ancient historical figure yeah um i mean it's literally not true because yeah we have we have mummified bodies and we have uh hieroglyphics depicting their lives yeah uh for you know ramses and tutankhamen and whatever but I i think they they think that quantity is greater than quality the Bible is probably the most written and studied book in history, but that doesn't make it true mm-hmm. um, in any way. And yeah, like people will argue there's more evidence for Jesus than Alexander the Great. And no, there isn't. Um, we don't know where his body was, but it was on display for hundreds of years. Now mm-hmm. that's just a claim and we don't have the body. Fair enough. But there are coins from when he was alive with his face on them that yep. are so common you can buy them for not all that much money. There yeah. are uh, stels and uh, embossments and statues that were made of him during his lifetime. There are cities named after him and his In Egypt. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's it's pretty wild to say that. Uh, and like what they'll argue is there are no written records of Alexander until 200 years after his death. And it's like, yeah, but uh, we don't have any partial manuscripts of Jesus until a couple hundred years after his death either we uh we accept this is something that people don't get we accept that for example mark was probably written between like 60 and 70 Mm -hmm. but we don't have anything from that time period actually that's just yep and i I think people don't really get that um yeah hearing your story i feel like and I, i feel the same way for me too i feel fortunate and lucky that we didn't start to read the bible ourselves necessarily uh besides just what we were told to look at until we were older because when you're young you're very impressionable yep and so you know that's that's where you when you build in the excuses the apologetics when you're really young and when people go to like i think of like those crazy online pastors and and stuff like uh kent hovind and (laughs) ken ham where their job is to drill this into little kids that you yeah. should believe this for this reason. And they they openly discuss how a divine genocide is just because God is always just. Yep. And you can that's that's extremely harmful for anybody's ability to think freely when you do that when they're very young. Uh yep. you brought up the story with uh Abraham. Um does it, Isaac does the exact same thing, right? Is it Isaac or is it because I was just reading this like last night. When they go into Egypt? Uh, no, later on, Isaac does, I think, the exact same thing. I think it's Isaac or it's it's one of the other sons. I can't remember. But he has a wife and he tells her basically the exact same thing. Because mm. there, there are these weird parallels that go back and forth. Um, okay. But w- one thing that I, I just read this uh, a couple days ago, too. Um, a big one for me is Genesis 18, verses 20 to 21 where God says, I will go to Sodom and I will see if what people are claiming is true, then I will know. Well, he's not omniscient then. Um, and I've heard an apologist excuse for that is God is the ultimate decider of truth. 
So if he judges something, mm-hmm. uh, then that's the same thing as omniscience. But that's not what omniscience means. And some people like no. inspiring philosophy say, well, omnipotent doesn't mean this. It actually means that. Yep. And, omnis- and it's whatever. We'll get, we'll get into that kind <laughs> of stuff soon enough. Um, I think that was – those are all the questions. That, for me, uh, the most important person – in the road to my deconstruction of my faith, weirdly enough, was Bill Maher and the movie Religious. Really? That was yeah. That's kind of how it all got started. Um, when I, I do was, like that movie. When I, when I was young, <laughs> yeah. When I was like when I, when I was pretty young, I remember. I, I already said this, but like hearing about the Old Testament stories and thinking like <laughs> the belly of a whale <laughs> for three days. No, he didn't. Um, but I, I didn't think that it was important that every single thing be literally true either. I still believed in, in Jesus, even though, you know, the miracles of Jesus are not more believable than, mm-hmm. than that. They're, they're equally absurd. Um, but then there were also like things that started to erode my faith were ideas such as like, where are all the native Americans pre Columbus? A lot of people would say that they're in hell. And I just thought, I can't believe in something like that. Maybe, maybe God is some uh, crazy space hippo that's never contacted humanity and makes the world go around. But no way would yeah. whatever God is have those attributes. That makes no sense. And learning about Calvinism, when I was in college, we had to read Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever read that before, but... I'm not, um, no. It's by, oh, I can't remember his name, but he was this like, he was this preacher and it was like in Salem, Massachusetts or something. It was very early colonial American period. And Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God is just him basically saying, in God's eye, you're nothing more than a spider and he could crush you and you deserve to be crushed at Ugh. any moment. And it's only by his perfect grace that he does not do that to you right now. So loving. And it's, oh yeah, it's so manipulative and, and terrible. But uh, stuff like that started to erode. And people mm-hmm. who I considered very good uh, people that were very good friends of mine, we would have conversations about about religion. And I was I was religious at the time. I, I guess I was I considered myself Christian. And I remember saying, like, uh, I'll never forget this. I'll be like, well, if you think that, then you must think that all the Jews are burning in hell. And my friend went, yeah, no, yeah, they are. And I was like, well... <laughs> What on earth? That's wild. Because yeah, that's was, that phrasing right there, right? Because that would mean God chose a group of people and then said, nah, never mind. I don't know. Me, me you before. all screwed up so bad. Like, so is God the bad planner there? And you can you can the say humans. Yeah, you can say, well, before the crucifixion, it was fine, but not after that. And I just was like, I can't believe. And something like that. But I, I kept on for, you know, long enough. And then Bill Maher, uh, the the Trump election was sort of yeah. where I saw. And it, it wasn't just him. It, that's when I first got involved with politics. And this is mm-hmm. where I saw Same. the evangelical right wing of America really yeah. kind of start to. I, I, I heard a lot of the dumb things they said about Obama and stuff over mm-hmm. the years. And I thought that was so stupid. But, you know, listening to people like Rick Santorum and Donald Trump and Mike Pence and. Uh, yeah, oh I've God. met them by the Sarah way. Palin? Really? <laughs> I have. Yeah. So my dad was a cop, and he died in the line of duty, and because of that, I was 
uh, introduced to a lot of different people along the way. Like they have Cop Week in Washington D.C., and when it's like if that happens the year of, um, you go to Washington D.C. So I went to Washington D.C. and met them there, and my wife and I were more Obama fans. So it was like, I mean, I guess we're meeting a president, like a sitting president and vice president. That's kind of cool, but um, I don't want this one to be the one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would stuff like that. It's kind of like, well, you it's I guess it's honorable. It's, it's honorable. Way. And I was in the Navy, so I was like, all right. And yeah. the only the really cool thing I liked was uh, the Tomb of the Unknown uh, Soldier. There's a reef ceremony that they do, and it's usually performed by presidents. And I was able to participate in that. So that was really cool. And it was like a huge honor for me. So I, I took that as like my big honor for the trip. But yeah. Hmm. Uh, at least I could say, hey, I actually, I also met Kamala Harris. So oh, I, I met two vice presidents. So there you go. <laughs> uh, I, I met zero. Obama drove by me once. He gave there you a go. commencement speech at a, at a technical college where I used to live in South Dakota. Um, so I, I saw his motorcade go by. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, hearing all of the way those people think and the people that I know that that fall in line with that. I was just like, this is all, if this is what this stuff does to you, then I, I don't want any part of it. And I, and I, I just can't believe in these sorts of things. Apparently Trump, I don't know if this is true, but I saw somebody share an article about it. Apparently Trump had an exorcism on the white house done after he got in. And I was like, and somebody shared that on Facebook. And I, I, I said, imagine being so stupid that not only do you think that demonic possessions happen, but, the, somebody with a different political opinion from you is not just not just bad politically but like literally evil and that it's just stuff like yeah. that and then and then i started applying the criticism i do towards any mythology to christianity and realized it wasn't special in any way so. no that's also another thing is uh my best friends are mormon and so uh like i've known them since high school and we I always grew up with them. We didn't really talk too much religion. We we both knew, like, we believe similar but different things. And I've gone to uh, his church before or temple, uh, I guess temple, yeah. Temple. And, um, you know, I love him. And throughout my time as a Christian, I was looking more into Mormonism uh, just because I wanted to convert him because that's what you want to do with your best friend, right? You want them to be saved and you think that they're not saved. And you're like, you're my best friend. I can't not, yeah. even though we didn't talk too much about religion. And it was only after I left Christianity, we started talking about religion really. Um, but I learned so much about Mormonism and every single reason I thought Mormonism was incorrect. I could apply to Christianity. And I started realizing that. And I went, oof. Like I looked up the word cult and I was like, okay, what does cult mean? Oh, okay. To have like a strong uh, desire to follow a specific person or thing. And I'm like, I guess that could apply to Jesus, you know? Oh, well, but well, don't worry about that. And I would like push it away. And every single thing that I would like look into like, oh yeah, Joseph Smith was obviously, you know, telling a lie here. And every single reason I gave was like, I guess you could say the same about Paul, but we're not going to talk about, I don't want to think about that. And so it was just every it's it so hard to try to want to disprove one religion when it reflects so much on what I believe at that time. And I went, well, how am I not Mormon or why don't I 
why do I still believe this? But I don't believe this thing. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. And I use that in my lives now. And all I get from Christians is, uh, it's not true. And I'm like, why? I don't know. It's just not true. And there's a really good, um, I don't know if you watch unbelievable premiere, unbelievable, the, the YouTube show, it's a podcast too. It's really good. Uh, the, The host is a, is a believer, but they have discussions between non-believers and believers. That's mm-hmm. like the whole point. And it's very, very, very well done. There's a really good one with Bart Ehrman and this other guy where they talk about more. I have seen that. I yeah. Have and seen he talks that. about yeah. like, there are, we have, it's three or four affidavits mm-hmm. for the, the sworn truth of the book of Mormon. And the guy just yep. hand waves it away. It's, it's kind of sad. Funny enough though. Uh, you can, you can mathematically prove that Mormonism is less likely than Christianity. And that's because Mormonism <laughs> is more specific in its yes. in its claims. Yes. So, like, Jesus will come again is mm-hmm. one thing, but to say that he will come again in Jackson County, Missouri, actually makes it mathematically less probable. So that's true. It's just kind and of also, because of how recent it is, the claims, like, there was chariots and stuff in South America— uh, well, no, we know for sure that's not true. And like these animals and specific things were not, it's impossible. Like, because it's too recent. I mean, Joseph Smith, the poor guy didn't know that technology was going to advance to how it is. Right. And we would find out all this stuff. So he was just making claims while, you know, left and right. And then we found out it's not true, but the Bible is, is so far back that no matter what the claim is, it's met with like for instance moses wandering the desert for 40 years uh, like hundreds of thousands supposedly of israelites wandering a small not small but you know from egypt to jerusalem isn't that yeah. that far you could walk it in like a day and a half oh they could have they could have made uh you could line them up i think two or four people wide and you would you would the line of people is longer than the straight line from where they left to is to jerusalem or whatever. yeah and so it's like why don't we find anything in that de- it was a long time ago it probably disintegrated uh, you know desert eats stuff up like yeah. christians can make all the claims without providing evidence because of that but mormonism a little bit harder to do <laughs> yeah the older something is the easier it is to say well you haven't not found it or or not or you know the, yeah the whole like why didn't jesus write anything well thing. we just haven't found it yet yeah, uh, okay. exactly all right yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'd love to rag on Mormonism some more, but we, I got some more interview questions here. So Okay, fire away. Um, so since we're talking about all this, there's, there's something that I've been saying lately, and it's that apologetics is not epistemology. So just hearing that, what are your thoughts? Say that again. Apologists. Apologetics is Apologize. not epistemology. When you're doing apologetics... Mm-hmm. You're not doing epistemology. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, I, I think uh, the whole point of apologetics is to um, make sense of the things you can't make sense for. Is to try to find a way to, you know, plug things in and and understand something because it doesn't make sense. Like, that's apologetics is, uh, well, why did God do this instead of that? And they, well, let me just try to shift this into a believable story that makes sense for you. And they kind of screw it. Like uh, William uh, Lane Craig, you know, he's someone that, yeah, when I hear him speak, it's the biggest word salads to try to like 
Scape around or Frank Turek is even worse when someone asks him a point blank question and he just the way he like maneuvers out of the question is is brilliant, honestly, because it's like, I'm not going to answer this. I'll just say something else and go, gotcha. It's like, well, you're not you're not answering anything, really. I think that Craig probably is extremely intelligent. He comes. He comes. I think so, too. But Turek, no. No. (laughs) Turek, yeah, he's kind of bottom of the barrel stuff yeah like people have asked him point blank if god told you to murder your own son would you do it yeah. and he avoids answering it and then they go can, can you just answer the question and he goes well yes i would and guess what uh god has the right to do that like, yeah okay like, frank <laughs> okay frank i'm that's interesting that you said that but okay <laughs> yeah craig craig just he sort of larps as he'll larp as a physicist um He'll LARP as a, I don't know, I I think he has a PhD probably in theology. I, I think so. I, I believe he's Dr. Frank Turek. I believe yeah. so. Or no, uh, uh, Craig is who I'm talking about. No. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I assume he probably does, but I don't know if he has a degree in philosophy. But he, he LARPs as a philosopher when it's convenient for him. He LARPs as a physicist when it's convenient for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's just, he's so well-spoken. And it just, yeah. it's... It's it's too bad, really. It's it too is. bad that Hitchens is gone because he was he was as well spoken. But yeah, you know, we still got Sam Harris and uh, Sean Carroll to the yeah. to the extent that Sean Carroll really does people. debates. Yeah. Um, so for me, I, I I totally agree with everything you said. So uh, the the reason I say this is uh, apologetics is about defending presupposed truths. Uh, regardless of whether those truths can even be proven. So uh, to do apologetics or apologists, they will suppress, ignore, or destroy information that doesn't conform to its foregone conclusions. If epistemology is the study of knowledge, which that's what it is, um, then I don't see how apologetics pragmatically does anything with regard to epistemology at all. Yeah. I don't see it either because again, one is if you're trying to find knowledge, uh, you're going to look at it with a constructive feedback. Like this is something when I, again, when I was going through the process of deconstructing, I started my um, college degree. I started my associates and then eventually my bachelor's and I was getting my bachelor's right before I started. uh, I lost my faith in Christianity and it taught me how to critically analyze something because you have to in college, you can't just post a paper and say, I think this is true. You have to back up your claim. I think this is true based off of this evidence and doing that over and over and learning these things over and over. I was like, Oh, I have to critically look at something and analyze it and come out and find the knowledge. Right. If I'm, if I had the conclusion already and I try to, say, well, I think it's true because of X, Y, and Z, just because I feel like it. Well, that's not epistemology. That That's just saying, like, I think it's true, and I'm going to make a reason why I think it's true without any evidence or any logic behind it, but just because I feel like it inside my 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 belly, you know? And that's what Christians do. They go, my belly says it's true. I got the holy tingles. Therefore, it must be true. It's like, that's not how you find truth. <laughs> yeah, or, or then the precepts go, well, your worldview doesn't even allow you to justify empiricism yeah. or logic. O- only if only if we violate a, Occam's razor and add more things that are unprovable 
do we have the more logical worldview, which that's, I don't want to even talk about that because it's so mind-numbingly stupid. I swear that's what Christians or people in religious religions say when they don't have a response, you know, yeah, when, when you say something, from. yeah. And they just go, well, your worldview. And you're like, I'm not talking about my world. We're discussing you. Well, what about you? You think that we just popped into existence. You, yeah. you, you don't have morals, do you? And you're like, oh my God. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And I, usually when they bring up morality, it's like, that's not even what we're talking about. Okay, that's so what I'm here, saying. Yeah. Get it, on it, track here. Yeah. They just try to push away because they know they're getting backed into their corners. So they just try to shift it on you. And you're like, well, you believe that non-organic chemicals just, you know, started forming organic chemicals. You're crazy. All right. <laughs> um, so the other thing, the other thing I, I wrote about this, if I, to those of you that are just uh, listening, if, if I sound more organized, it's because I wrote this ahead of time. I'm cheating. But anyways, um, the other thing for apologetics is that it relies on empirical dead ends, like divine revelation, unfalsifiable yes. logical assumptions, and all yep. that. So people will tell me that I don't understand what epistemology even is when I say that uh, that those types of things are useless. If, if you're going to rely on divine revelation or whatever, you're not contributing to epistemology. And talk, you don't even know what you're talking about. But a valid logical argument whose soundness is indeterminable does not contribute to epistemology. It no. can't contribute to epistemology. Um, you have to appeal to empiricism if you want to contribute to epistemology beyond like a priori assumptions and that they'll yeah. jump on that too. Like, well, you deal in those all the time, blah, 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 blah. Um, but yeah, like one of my favorite tactics with this is just to be like, like, let's say I'm debating somebody named Kyle. I'd be like, okay, you say that, huh? Everybody named Kyle is always wrong. Your name is Kyle. Therefore you are wrong there. We're, we're at equal standing. And they're like, that's not true. Like, oh, <laughs> you're appealing to epistemology here. Right or to sorry empiricism mm -hmm. here. So you recognize that we need an element of that, but you say that you're justified when you rely on methods that don't and yep. can't uh, rely on that. So the best rebuttal that I've ever heard from that is, "Well, you just don't understand." Oh. Fantastic. <laughs> I, I, I sarcastically wrote down some response to uh, classic responses that we're gonna go through, and actually, uh, one of them is up next. So. My next question for you is, why do you spend all your time on Christianity? Why are all you the obsessed time. with it? Well, you know, half the time I'm, you know, fighting it because I'm a tire broken atheist who just wants to tear the world down of Christianity. Okay. The other half is my, uh, my doppelganger, my twin brother, his name is Pastor Friendly, who defends Christianity, actually. Uh, does he want a private jet? Yes. Okay. Does he want that $3,000 suit and gold watch? Yes. But that's not the point. The real point is Jesus Christ being your daddy. And <laughs> I spend my time doing this. And I think a lot of people online spend their time doing this is because one, we were in it for so long. It was a huge part of our lives. And so we want to take the time to basically process that and also show other people what we found, because I don't know about you, I like science and I like knowledge. And so if I find out something, I want people to know about it. I like to talk about things. I also, for some reason, my mind just likes to debate. I like to talk and, and 
hear other people's ideas and figure things out. I really like logic and reasoning. I like to figure out what is true, what is not true. I love hearing other people's sides, even if I disagree. Uh, I've had my mind changed. Like I've had, there's been moments on uh, the friendly agnostic lives where I go, okay, that's a different view I didn't think about before. That doesn't mean I believe something. It just means I have a new view of something or I didn't think about something before and now I have knowledge of it and this is why I do it. So I spend my time doing it because, not because I just like Christianity, I wanna see it burn to the ground. I would be probably the first person in line to fight for someone's rights to believe what they want. I am a huge proponent of that. Like I was in the Navy, I'm going back in the Navy, I want to serve, I'm going in the medical field, I wanna help people and I wanna stick up for people's face uh, their religions, their beliefs. I want them to have that opportunity. All I want as well is for them to not shove it down people's throats and to not force us in laws to do specific things that we don't want to do because you may believe it, but we don't. And I think that's another huge part why I do this is because so much in our today's society, there's laws being pushed on us that we don't want. If you don't believe in a thing, whatever. You don't believe in a thing. If you do believe in a thing, whatever. You believe in a thing. But now if you're making laws about the thing that you believe or don't believe, that's where I, I draw the line. That's where I'm like, okay, put on the brakes. We need to talk about this. And I think that's why it's important to have these discussions and change people's minds. So one, like a lot of people who were like me don't have the whole story. They don't know their own religion. They don't know what they believe. They have a book on their shelf and they go, yeah, I totally believe that. I never read it, but I believe it until they pick it up and do. And then when you find that out, maybe you're going to change your mind a little bit. And maybe it's going to be helping our society in a more progressive way. And maybe, I don't know, just maybe we're taking a step in the right direction by shoving away these old archaic ideas that do with blood magic. And if you don't have the blood magic, you're an evil a piece of crap that needs to burn in hell. I don't know. That's just a thought. That's just the just a thought for me. You just know? a thought. Yeah. Ironically, people like you and I are are trying to fight so that we don't end up with a fascist theocracy, so that people can continue uh, romanticizing the idea of one day living in a fascist theocracy. That's yeah. that's that's what freedom's like. It it yeah. really is. <laughs> Um, <laughs> for me, um, when people say this to me, like, why do you spend all your time? Up? Okay. If, if I, if I did lives where I debunk, uh, Norse pagan gods, you'd say I'm wasting my time. Uh, okay. So let me, let me focus my energy on something more relevant. And now I'm picking on you. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but the other thing for me, and I think it's kind of the same for you is they seek us out. You yeah. Know, I, now I typically, I'd rather just stick with science. I end up talking religion most of the time because people give me a non-scientific explanation for something that we have a very good scientific answer for. So I have to yeah. combat the logic and the claims and the, the historicity of, and it, so it ends up being a religious discussion. But again, it's selection bias. You came to me yeah. as a teacher. This is like the kid who acts out wonders why they're always getting singled out mm -hmm. you can't behave <laughs> that that's why that's why it's it's not me it's you 
it's not us it's you yeah so that's that's basically what i have to say about that (laughs) um uh but don't you know that you can't believe in something or you can't not believe in something that's not true the existence of atheists proves that god exists exactly there's not no such thing as an atheist right (laughs) that's that's what i love to hear there's no such thing i'm like what am i i have that uh, it's it's a couple questions from now, so we'll, we'll couch okay. that. We'll couch that for just a little bit because I actually that is that is interesting. Um, so you go by the friendly agnostic. Um, oh yeah, actually this is this is the next thing. So what do you think when people say there are no atheists, only agnostics? Yeah, I think that's uh, just a mis- misunderstanding obviously of of what these terms mean i mean if i had a dollar for every time someone comes on my live and asks what's agnostic what's atheist and i I, i'm not knocking you if you don't know it's just like google is free and you can quickly find this out um but it's for me agnosticism means i don't know right it's just like i a claim of i don't have the knowledge i'm not saying i know 100 percent of anything i'm just agnostic in the sense that I don't know. Ultimately, I believe certain things and I have ideas for certain things. But if you said, oh, so those are true, I'd say, no, I don't know. Atheism for me just means the theistic claims that are in our existence today, I just reject. I don't have evidence for them. There's many theistic claims. And I say, I don't see evidence. Therefore, I'm atheist because I don't think those are true. Does that mean I don't believe or believe in a God? I don't think there's a singular God personally. Do I think that there's something a little bit more out there? Yeah, but I'm not sure what that even is. Is it aliens? Is it some higher conscious being? Maybe. I think that this universe is so large that there's some sort of thing out there. I just don't know what it is. Maybe we are all the universe experiencing itself. I don't know. And I love to run with the ideas. It makes It's fascinating to me. But I just don't see this hyper focus on like one being that created everything and wants our worship and we got to bow down to it. You know, like that to me is so strange. So I am agnostic atheist, uh, not in the sense that I don't think there's no God. I just don't have evidence for any God. So until I find good evidence, I am not going to think there's a singular or plural gods. Really. I just think that there's probably something. I just don't know what that something is. Yeah, the the things that uh, if I had a nickel, also um, people think that atheism and agnosticism are uh, incompatible. They're mutually exclusive. They're not. We're gonna get into that in a little bit more detail here in a little bit. Um, I've been asked so many times. So, do you just uh, not believe in God, or are you agnostic? And I say both. And then they go, "Well, that's not possible." Uh, uh, and also, to be an atheist is not to say there is no God. Exactly. Not necessarily. It can be. It can um, be. I'm, I'm interested in your, we'll probably agree on this, but um, most people have no idea that a Gnostic atheist and an agnostic atheist are two different things. So exactly. an agnostic atheist says, I don't believe in God. I was born not believing in God because babies don't have beliefs. Um, and there could be like, for all I know, there's an alien civilization out there somewhere. I'm Mm -hmm. agnostic about it. It can be, I have no idea. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and so 
I don't, I also don't believe. And that's not a rejection. I think it's totally possible that there are aliens out there. But if you ask me my opinion on what color their spaceships are, I don't have an opinion. So you're saying aliens don't exist? No, I don't have a belief. It's, yep. It is clunky, but it's, they're, I'm not saying they don't exist. So I I assume you basically see the same sort exactly. of problem. It's exactly like that. Yeah, it's again, it's I'm not anti-theist and I'm not saying I know that there's no God. I just don't have any evidence for a particular God. And a book claim is not evidence for me. That is a claim that is not substantiated. I can't observe it. I can't figure it out. It's just someone saying something and therefore it's true. And that's not enough for my brain. I need a little bit more. Now, do I think that, like I said, can there be more? Yeah, there could be, which is why I'm agnostic. It's possible. I just don't have, until I'm presented a good reason or a good enough, uh, I don't know, scientific understanding, I'll say, I just don't know for right now. You know, it's, it's as simple as that, but people think it as like, they hear the word atheist and there are definitely atheists who, who say I'm atheist, meaning there is no God. Um, and then there's atheists like me where it's like, I just don't think there is a God. Like I don't have evidence for it. So therefore I don't believe in it. So there's the two, like everyone has a different kind of, um, I guess, term for it. You know, it, it, it does mean one thing, but how people like when they call themselves that it does vary per person. Like not every atheist is the same, I think at least. Well, what you really need is a book that's true, because uh, that would prove it. Yeah, I remember when I was young, I just thought atheists were bad people, even though nobody ever told me that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm so disappointed in my younger self. I remember, like, I knew Richard Dawkins, and I was just, I would roll my eyes whenever I would even think about him, because uh, he wrote The God Delusion. And then mm -hmm. and then when I started being less of a believer, I, I've never read The God Delusion, but I read his book, The Selfish Gene, which is why he's actually famous, mm -hmm. um, or originally why he's famous. And I was like, this guy's brilliant. I mean, he's, he's so brilliant. And I, I've read a bunch of his other books, too, but none of his stuff on religion or anything like that. Um, since we're talking about Gnosticism and, ag and agnosticism, um, this is actually my experience. People, people look at you funny or they, they think they ask you, you're right. If you tell them that they're an agnostic theist, like an agnostic Christian, even though they basically tell you that they are without using those words. I just talked to somebody the other day. I'm like, look, I, I, I can't prove it, but I, I believe it. And I said, so you're an ag you're agnostic then. And they said, no, I, I, I believe in God. Um, if you believe in God through faith, now if, if you claim, cause some people claim differently, they claim like God speaks to them, like the, the Mike Pence strategy or, or yep. whatever. <laughs> Those people would probably, if they knew what a Gnostic theist is, that's what they would say they are. But a lot of people are, gnostic theists if you believe it through faith but they don't seem to get that yeah i i talk to one at least once a day like on my lives um they the word agnostic and the word atheist have had a dark undertone in religion for a long time and not just christianity other religions too they think 
like you said, there's this like evilness and you hate God and all these things because at least this other religion believes in some sort of God. You just you don't believe in anything. That means you hate this God and you hate believing and you hate religion. And you, no, not at all. It simply just means I'm not convinced of something. And, and like you said, a Gnostic theist, um, you know, someone who it's like, I know this is true. There's very few of those. Most people would be like, well, I believe it's called faith and I'm not hundred percent, but you know, I know. Okay. So your agnostic theist would be the correct term, but hearing agnostic or atheist is dirty. You know, I remember when I told my sister that I'm starting to not believe anymore. I'm not Christian anymore. She said, are you? And she whispered it. She said, are you, are you atheist? <laughs> like sister, you don't have to whisper it to me or it's just me and you here. But she was like, she like was so, are you, are you atheist? And at that point I was like, no, no, I'm just saying, I don't believe, I don't think I'm Christian anymore. And uh, it's just so funny how even then I was like, I'm not that calm down. And then later <laughs> I, I was like, actually, I guess I am that, you know, and it took a while because it, again, it's in your head that this is an evil, wrong, terrible thing. And you want the world to be destroyed. And, no, it literally just means I don't think this is true. And that's it. And agnosticism is, I don't know if this is true or not, but I don't think it is, you know? And it it's funny. It's I haven't really met too many awful atheists so far. You know, I've met people who <laughs> are angry towards religious people, rightfully so, in the sense that I like Matt Dillahunty from the atheist experience, he comes off rather, he comes off calm in the beginning, but then he gets frustrated because people won't answer. And I get it now. Like at first yeah. I was like, Matt, Matt, you need to calm down, Matt. Like when I was first and it was like, he gets so angry. But after interviewing or talking to people on lives, it's, it's like, just listen to what I'm saying. I swear. Yeah. I, so the most common comment I get is how much patience I have. If, yeah. you, if you go look at any of my videos, you will find that somewhere in almost every single one of them. Mm -hmm. um, but with this kind of stuff, uh, and I think probably Matt's, I mean, he had that call-in show for years. Years, yeah. There's no way that somebody's said something he's never heard before. Exactly. Um, and so that's probably part of it. He knows exactly where it's going. And so his mm -hmm. whole thing is going to be get to the point. Yeah. You know? um, I don't want to hear your personal testimony yeah. or, or whatever. But also... Um, for me, it's, it's going to be impossible for me to think of a specific example of this, but I know when somebody's beating around the bush or trying to steer it in a completely different direction, I can, my spidey senses tingle pretty hard yep. now yep. that I've talked to so many people. So for I, me, it's when they go, well, let's start at the beginning with Adam and Eve. I, mean, I don't need you to start at Adam and Eve. Just, I asked you a question, please just. And I'm getting there now. Like I, I have the same thing. Oh, you're so patient. And now I, I see sometimes like friendly agnostics, not that friendly. <laughs> like, listen, if you insult me, the gloves come off. All right. Th then I'm not going to be friendly towards you because I'm trying. I always start off trying, but the moment you're a, a jackass to me, I'll be one right back. Uh, and also yeah. when it's like, I let you talk and I'm let I'm trying to let you hear the testimony, but three people right before you have been saying the same thing. I'm asking a question and I'm just trying to find that answer. I don't need, let's go back to Genesis. I don't need that. Yeah. Cause ultimately if you let people do that, what you'll find is the, it never goes anywhere. No, 
you know, it's because they just start talking to the Bible. They literally just start pre like they just start preaching and they just start telling the whole story. And like you regurgitating stories from the, you know, Adam and Eve to Jesus has not answered the question. You know, in fact, one of my biggest questions I have is, is God good? And they go, Adam and Eve and the, the, I'm like, what are you talking about? Is your God good? Well, if you think about Jesus and I'm like, what do you just get to the point? Like, do you think so? Yes or no? Well, yes, I do. Thank you. You just had to say yes. Right. And it's like these simple questions that they avoid, even though I don't know why. I honestly don't know. In my mind, I just I've never figured it out when I ask a very straightforward questions to get to point A, point B to point C. Right. And try like make the conversation go. I ask the first question and they just go off. There's some Lala land. All I think of a it's because they've never thought about it before, so they're just going. They're, they're just relying on factory default settings. That's, that's a good would, point. That's what I would say. It probably is. Right. Yeah. So this next one's. Uh, it takes me a little while to unpack it. So okay, listen carefully. <laughs> so, um, I personally think, like in a philosophical sense, that we're all agnostic, but. That being said, I could concede that you could technically like speak to God or see God. And like, for example, it's it's written that God appears to Abraham in Genesis. He even cooks him a meal. Um, so that is by definition empirical. But I don't think you can scientifically test the supernatural. So you could never really know it. Now, I, when I say that, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that, that sounds good. That goes good with my worldview. But... In science, we never say we have absolute certainty. So then I'm left in the awkward position. Do I have to say we're all agnostic about all things? Mm. And I don't. I I don't believe that. Right. So there's a lot. There's a lot to talk about there. But my I get my basic point is: Do you think Gnostic theism is a thing? Because I kind of don't, for the reasons I gave. Yeah, I don't think it's a thing. I think people claim Gnostic theism, but ultimately we don't know because you can, there's so many things in science that can explain your interaction with God. You know, like we can get to heightened senses in meditation that make us feel an out of body experience. And also, out of body experience is very loosely defined. Like people don't, oh, yeah. like you would think. That means I'm out of my body looking around. No, people can have all sorts of senses that they're not used to, and they would call that an out-of-body experience. This is why I love science and why I love the medical field. I'm I'm taking a class of investigative skills that talk about we like we really heavily uh, analyze research papers and peer-reviewed research papers. And what's amazing is how some of these cases are are thrown out. Like so many things are thrown out or it's a bad case study because like you, you're not reliable. The human body is not reliable and our brain is very unreliable oh, because yeah. based off the hormones, based off the environment, based off of so many different things, our brain could basically tell a lie to itself, right? Yeah, we, we, we construct false narratives all, all the, time. the time. Yeah. And I, I come from a family of chronic liars. Okay. They <laughs> lie for I don't know why, but you know, I have unfortunately I have some drug addicts in my family. I've had to deal with a lot of that in my life. And when you when you talk to a drug addict, they will lie and make up a whole story, like a full blown a book 
a whole ass book out of nowhere. And you know it's a lie. They know it's a lie. But man, do they believe it. And I even have this experience with somebody who they lied so much, they started believing their lies. And that, mm -hmm. like, they changed their history. And yes. I know, I know their history because I wasn't on drugs. They were on drugs, changed their whole life history. And I'm like, I, I know you, right? I know that's not true. And why I'm saying all this is because we can fool ourselves. We can do so much as humans to trick our own brains. Did, did that actually happen? Did I leave the stove on? Where? I know I left my keys right here. No, you didn't. You're just forgetting. Your brain's having a little fart, right? And if you apply that to any sort of religion, you can think you saw or think you heard something. This happens to me now where I wake up in the middle of the night and my eyes are like, Oh God, what time is it? And it's like, there's a little bit of a light shining through my window. And then I see a figure and this happened like not too long ago to me, scared the hell out of me. And I was like, friendly, calm down. It's literally just an optic illusion from your, probably your optic nerve is a little pushed on or something like that. I don't know. Right. It's something that something's going on with your occipital lobe, but I, I'm like, calm down. It's not there. It's in your head, but um, I can imagine from those experiences I've had, I can imagine seeing things through the night or some sort of figure, a dark figure, it's a demon. And you believe it. You convince yourself, I saw a demon. I saw a demon. Oh my, I prayed and went away. It's people can convince themselves in these heightened states. And what's one of the biggest heightened states that people get into with religion is at church. When they're worshiping, oh dear Jesus, oh man, they're around a lot of people. Everyone's praying, and everyone's around them praying, oh yeah, Jesus, oh yes, Jesus, and they're all collectively together. There's nothing like a bunch of humans coming together and sharing off their their hormones next to each other. That's heightening these senses and go, yeah, yeah. And they get into this this little craze, a religious craze. I have experienced. It. I call the holy tingles. I've experienced these feelings of out-of-body experiences. Was it actually that? No. It was just my heightened sense of it. So I think that people can trick themselves into being Gnostic thinking. I know. I've seen God. I've talked to Jesus. I know. You don't actually know. Because if we broke it down, we could probably find out what the true thing is. And it's probably not that. And also... That could just be another lie. People could just be lying. People lie all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because ultimately you have to appeal to something like God speaks to you or whatever, mm -hmm. which is – which you can't – you that could be useful for you but not yeah. for anybody else because your your personal experience is, is unobservable. Um, yeah. To a little bit more of an unpacking for the – like is Gnostic theism a thing that – the other reasons why I don't think it really works is so, for example, you could pray and God could appear in the spirit of scientific inquiry. That would be a consistent finding. Right. But in science, we have theories and natural law that describes what's happening. The thing we're observing doesn't actually need to be there. It can be described on paper or in a simulation or just like with maths. So now in order in order for in order to go from theory to practice you have to uh, you need to actually observe the thing and test its properties which is something that's portrayed in the in the Oppenheimer movie 
they learn nope. that somebody split the uranium nucleus, uh, even though the math says it's impossible. Mm. But theory and practice are, are always different. But you can't do that with the supernatural. You could, in theory, witness it, but you can never really know it in any real sense. There, there will never be any math. <laughs> so the uncertainty is always so much greater. So that's, for me, I just feel like that's why I reject it. Now, an apologist would probably say something like, it's it's revealed to them and you can't justify anything in empiricism either because you're relying on logic, which is unjustified, and you rely on a priori assumptions are a priori assumption that God must exist, otherwise we'd have an unintelligible universe and moral okay. fact and blah, blah, blah. But I think I think those are just very, very weak arguments yep. in the end. I think so too. It's again, I'm a scientist. I love science. And so I want to know the figures. I want to know the observation, the senses. How how do we know something's true? Again, I, I'm learning how to critically analyze people's ideas and words, right? If you write a peer review paper, that doesn't mean what the peer review paper saying is true. Also, a lot of them, the conclusions are like, we don't know. <laughs> like I'm reading so many for school and a lot of them are like, man, we, this was inconclusive, right? Or like, we found this, but that doesn't mean like this is true. And it's so interesting because since I doing all this, it's made me realize like I hear it in um, arguments sometimes. And I was on a, a, a live with you a couple of days ago, I think like last Friday, um, you were in a live with Dr. Blitz and some guy and he was talking about peer reviewed. And I'm like, it was funny because I'm learning this. I'm like, just because someone wrote a paper doesn't mean like they're tr it's true what they wrote or, you know, whatever they said, like that they're valid, you know, because a lot of people will say, well, look at the studies, look at this and that for Christianity. Um, there's inspiring philosophy. He's one uh, Christian TikToker who always references something. And I laugh because I'm like, you saying that doesn't make it true. You know, yeah. this is why Christianity is better for society because of this book. That's just someone saying something. Yeah, he stitched me <laughs> once and I, I stitched him back and then he stitched me. So I did a, uh, and he was stitching a video that I was stitching. So at one point I was reacting to a video of him reacting to my video that, <laughs> that I reacted to his video of me reacting to another video. It yeah. got very, and it was, it was about whether or not Christianity or should we thank Christianity for science? And I, I think the answer is very much no. No. He had a different <laughs> We don't have time to get into that. I, I got a couple more things. Uh, okay. One is, you're not going to like this one, because like in uh -huh. Avengers Endgame, this is going to make you just disappear, because uh -huh. you were never really a Christian. Oh, no. Oh, no. This whole time? Oh, God. It saved me so much heartache. How many how many times has that been told to you? Oh God, too many, <laughs> too many. That's why I separated myself and made pastor friendly because pastor friendly is the true Christian I never was, you know. <laughs> and so, you know, he's he's that persona now. Now I I think it's just it's it's so funny because uh, for a good couple of weeks, when that was being said over and over, I just re rebutted it. I just said, okay, if I was never a true Christian, you aren't a true Christian either. Yep. And I, I went scriptural with it too, and they just went, uh, 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 uh. like, "Hey, this is this is the scripture, buddy." Because if the, if this were true, you wouldn't even be talking to me on TikTok right now. You would be wasting your time. You wouldn't even have technology. You'd give all your earthly possessions and you go wander the earth and preach the good word of God, you know. And and 
Per Jesus' own words, you'd be handling snakes, drinking poison, not getting harmed, the whole the whole deal. Getting out demons with your demonicas, all sorts of stuff, right? This is a demonica, by the way. This is what Pastor <laughs> Bramley uses, demonica. Um, and so it's it's just funny that it's like, it's basically a, an emotional response that they say to try to anger you. Like so, they have to justify that you were never a true Christian because if you were never a true Christian, that totally makes sense because the Bible says you can't believe and walk away. That would mean the Bible's wrong and we can't have the Bible be wrong. So, yeah, and it's it's just ridiculous. It's, you know, how how do you practice something for 28 years and be in the church and pray and do all the things that Christians should do? I was baptized I asked Jesus to come inside me multiple times, you know, I, and not a sexual innuendo. I'm just saying like, you know, I, the spirit fill me up and I, I don't know what else to do. What, what else do I need to do for Jesus, you know, to be my savior? Like I believed it. Isn't that enough? Well, there was, it was never revealed to you. They would say, or it's, it's just a, it's a it no true Scotsman fallacy. That, it is. That's all it is. But it's also very similar to the, uh, you know, it's just a lot. It's just a. We, if we pretend this is a valid logical argument, I can just make the opposite one, and mm-hmm. now it's completely unresolved. So, because I just say, okay, you're, it, you, you were never really a Christian, or like we can pick like, uh, Catholics and Protestants. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I can make the argument that Protestants aren't real Christians. Oh well, I can make the argument that Catholics aren't real Christians. Like, great. So these are equal. Yep. So we can't really do anything with just claims. Yep. Can we? So that's. I, and what's funny is hearing Christians argue within themselves of who's a true Christian. You're not a true Christian. No, you're not a true Christian. Oh God, the funniest thing is when you see. I see this every now and then. Young Earth creationists arguing with or flat earthers who are basically always Christian, arguing with like uh, theistic evolutionist Christians. You know, like Catholics or whatever. Yes. And I, every time I see one of those debates, I just I I get in the comments and I say, "This is like Marvel and DC fans arguing who would win in a fight, Hulk or Superman." Yeah. It's so dumb. I but it's oh, but man. it's but you love to see it. One of my favorite things it. on my lives is where I'm arguing with a Christian and they're losing the chat. The chat, this guy's not a true Christian. Get him out of here. <laughs> and then I see someone bring me up, bring me up. I have the answers. I'm a true Christian. I get the person off. I get that person up. And I say, okay, I saw in the comments, you said, you're the true Christian. Let me hear your answer. They start going off. And then the chat goes on them. This person's not a true Christian. He's not a true. (laughs) Completely different answers. You know, they'll they'll say completely different things. No one's a true Christian. It's just, it's just so funny that no one has the right answer. And every single time I'm like, I'm looking for the true Christians out there. Never haven't found one yet. Haven't found one yet. The, the person who's really a Christian is the last person you talked to. That's that, that's what I said. Yeah, that's the answer. That's basically the answer. Right. <laughs> I got one last thing here. Um, and uh, so, was Satan a Christian? Because after all, Satan knows that God exists. Right. We're granting that these things are true, for for the sake of it. Uh, Satan knows that God exists mm-hmm. and he knows Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and so presumably he would know who Jesus claimed to be. Jesus was God, blah, 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 blah. Um, and we're assuming that those things are true. 
the devil is aware of all these things. You can't know that God exists and Jesus is real and not believe it. Now, what you could do is reject it, but I'm not really sure what it even means to reject something that you know is true. Yeah. In this case, I know it's true, but I reject it. So, yeah. is Satan, by definition, a Christian? So, this is interesting. Two, two answers, basically. One, in one sense, they're, they're going to contradict each other. In one sense, yes, he is a Christian based off what you said. Because, yeah, how do you reject? The whole point of Christianity is believing and having faith, right? Yeah. That is the crux of Christianity. It's that you believe it. You don't know it. You believe Jesus died for your sins. Mm -hmm. You believe he is the Savior. You believe he's the Son of God. You believe he is God. I, that's not really part of it, but it's mostly you believe he was the Son of Man who came, the Messiah that died for your sins. But if the, you accept in, that, yeah. you're in a Christian. This sense, in this sense, we're saying that all that stuff is true, but yes. Satan knows that it's true. Yes. Yeah, we can't really know that, but he can because he exists in a, in a different realm. And you can't not believe in something that isn't true. So yes. is Satan, a, and that would mean so, that Christians can go to hell. So technically, in one sense, uh, Satan is a Christian, like, you, you know, like you're saying. However, I would argue, on the Christian perspective, no, only because of one chapter and one verse, which we don't even know is true. And it's Mark chapter 16, the ending of Mark, the long version of Mark, which was added way later. And it's Mark chapter 16, starting at verse 14. And Jesus himself says, go out into the world, my disciples, and make followers of me. And this is how you'll know. They will, they will believe in me and they will be baptized. So that's the second part there is what would make mm -hmm. Satan not a Christian is it has to be baptized. However, this is the part of Mark that Christians argue over because it's technically not in any early manuscripts of Mark. It comes way later. And we don't know if Jesus actually meant that. This is the part where he says, you could pick up snakes and drink poison, like I was saying earlier. Yeah, yeah. And, people yeah, and people disregard that because it, it's not really, it's not, you shouldn't pick up snakes and you, you can't drink up, you can't drink poison and not be harmed, right? So people go, well, that's obviously not true because that would, you know, make Christianity not true. Or, because Or it was only true back then. Yeah, and they have to like do some, like, most Christians I've talked to would say that that, part of mark is not official and not true we don't know if jesus actually said that so that would disregard the baptismal if you do believe that part's true then then you can say satan's not christian because he needs to be baptized but that's the only part that would make that you know a true statement however i do think that yes technically satan would be a christian interesting now, I was so the exciting part implication for this line of questioning is uh, I like I like your response. I, that's that's good. Um, but I think that this could allow us to win Pascal's wager. Um, I have other Ooh. arguments that defeat Pascal's wager pretty easily. But, yep. you know, I was I was baptized, um, but I am currently an atheist. But mm -hmm. um, you and I don't believe so we can't reject Christ. We can't because we don't believe it. We don't. We definitely don't know it. Yeah. Uh, so we can't. And because we don't believe it, you can't. We can't reject something that you don't know. Yeah. And we don't believe it. So I wonder. Um, 
I don't know. I, I can't be the first person to ever think of this. And I also, I wonder if this is why presuppositionalists say everyone knows God exists. <laughs> it's just such a dumb argument. I, Oh man. I once in, in a, this was in uh, Santa Cruz, California. There was a preacher on a box with a sign that says evolution is false. And he referenced Genesis and a few other things. And he had a megaphone and I talked to his friend for like two hours and it was a, it was a good, co this was like my first ever religious debate. This is like, this is years ago. This is before I even ever was doing anything on TikTok or, or whatever else. And then I was so upset because at the very, very end, and I wish I would ask this question right away. I just said, how do you know God exists? And his answer was same way you do. I said, how do you know God exists? And he says, same way you do. And I asked him like three more times and that's all he said. And then they walked away. Now I couldn't think of anything in, in that moment, but I, I mean, the obvious thing would have been for me to say, okay, how do you know he exists or, or how do I know he exists? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I never got an answer to that, but it's again, you just claim it. Yeah. And now, now we can get the ball rolling. We solved our, we solved our dilemma here <laughs> by introducing an, an untestable, unfalsifiable, Yep. assumption brilliant yeah listen uh planet peterson how how do you know uh santa claus exists well i actually don't believe in santa claus no you do you do uh, oh you know <laughs> that Jesus. santa claus exists it, it, listen you you're just rejecting him but you know you know and I, i'm saying that because i know that you know and you know that i know that you know therefore you believe in santa claus Yep, there you go. That's, that's all it takes. <laughs> it's as simple as that. If you just claim something and say something, then it's true. And if I walk away, you can't you can't refute me. <laughs> well, I'm just happy knowing that by this logic, it's impossible for me to go to hell. So that's nice. Yeah, I mean, my whole thing about hell is if it's real, I don't see how it would be. Is we Pascal's wager, I approach it like this. We have two options. Okay, and we only have to worry about one. We have a good God and bad God. The only one we have to worry about is bad God. Bad God is the one that forced humans into existence and then punishes them punishes them for eternity and torture because we don't love him. And for us, it's simply I just don't think you're real because I don't have evidence. And that somehow is worthy of hellfire. I don't know. The good God scenario, we're good. Because if God is truly good, I don't see logically a good God forcing us into existence and putting us in that scenario for simply not being convinced. Because I think most people who are atheists or agnostic would believe in a God if we had evidence of the God. As long as it's, hey, here's the evidence, we'll go, okay, we got the evidence. So we just have to know if it exists or not. So I don't see Pascal's wager as a really qualifying argument for me. It's like, it's better to believe just in case, only if it's really a bad God, because I don't see a good, graceful, merciful, loving being torturing something forever be simply because we didn't have enough evidence. That's that's ridiculous, in my opinion. Yeah, know? yeah. Stalin's the kind of atheist that I think maybe could go to hell, but uh, not just somebody who just flat, just doesn't believe and and that, that and that's it you know yeah so like i'll believe just literally give me any evidence and, yeah. but there is none yeah well as much fun as uh the moral implications would be i think uh 
that's those are all the questions that I had for today. Unless you had any like final thoughts. Um, you brought up something about uh, pre predetermination, right? Earlier, I, I think it's so funny, and I'm saying this just because I just had a TikTok live with uh, Little QB, the Catholic, and uh, QTop. And uh, have you seen them? Yeah, I, I know of QTop. This other one doesn't yeah. ring. Little well QB, he does like the upside down cross. And uh, he's a cool guy, and me oh, and him are the, friends. With the eye stuff, too? With the eye makeup. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't and know I go if on that his person's live. a Christian or not. I'm he's so Catholic. Confused. He's Catholic. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. And so I go on his lives. He, he's pretty fun to hang out with. And Q-Top was on there. He's a wild bunch. But he said something to me recently that I've never heard a Christian say, which is, Jesus did not die for everybody's sins. And I went, what? Because I said that. I said, yeah, well, the point is Jesus died for everyone's sins. He's like, no, that's not true. I said, well, that's literally Christianity 101. He's like, yeah, you just don't understand the Bible. I was like, ah. And then I read verses that literally <laughs> backed up my idea in like Romans 6 or something. And he just kept saying, no, 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 because this one verse talks about predestination, uh, predetermination that God chooses. Uh, and I said, okay, so God chooses so we don't have free will. And he said, no. He, this is the mind games of Christians, everybody. He's a Calvinist. He just yeah. doesn't. He says, it. because we've already chosen, it somehow loops back to God to pre-choose us because we've already chosen him, but we haven't existed yet. So God chooses us, but somehow it's only because we have already chosen him. I'm like, I don't, I tried writing it down on paper. This weird circle of like, we chose God, therefore he chooses us. And because he chose us, we then choose him. And because we chose him, he chooses. It's just like, what? I've thought about now that I stream on desktop, I can pull up a Google Doc whenever I want. I haven't had the chance to do this yet, but I've thought about, you know, when people make arguments like that, let's write it out. Because you yeah. can say things and obfuscate and and whatever. But let's write, let's make this cogent. I'm going to force you to make an argument that actually so what's first thing just pull up bullet points da, 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 da. okay next thing da, 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 mm -hmm. da. okay now how do we get back to the beginning and then you'll you'll see that it it can't make any sense yep. no matter how it hard doesn't. you try so and once again he ran away from me it's <laughs> you know when, when in doubt just just dip out you know <laughs> yep. truer words have never been spoken <laughs> all right oh. well um i appreciate the time and uh I guess uh, maybe we'll do this again some other time, pick some other religious-related topic or science or whatever we want. Yeah. Um, thanks for having me on. I had a great time. You're very welcome. Thanks, everybody.